Alright, clock him. What was his time? E... 37 seconds, sir. Are you kidding me? That's like 7 seconds off the rest of the field! You know what that means. Oh great, another field filler. Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Get all your news, results, and updates on NASCAR every week on this channel. You've tried the best, now here's the rest. Let's fill the last row with our hosts, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the bottom of the playlist as well as the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. It is Monday, August 17th. We just had the Daytona Road Course make its inaugural start in the NASCAR Cup Series world, and in fact, in all the series, because the Xfinity and the Truck Series and even the ARCA Series all race there. But before we get into all of that stuff, just remember that today is August 17th, which means it's National Discovery Day, so discover something exciting. I don't care what you discover, either a rock in your backyard or... A new liquor to get drunk off of. But either way, just celebrate Discovery Day. It's also National Black Cat Appreciation Day. So if you see a cat, say, hey, thank you for your hard work. And lastly, it is Doofus Rufus's birthday. Actually, Doofus Rufus is a real person. He turned 21 today. I asked if he wanted to join, but he was passed out on the floor drunk as a skunk. So I don't think he's going to be able to put anything on here that's quality content. But just remember uh, to wish him a happy birthday in your thoughts. So congratulations to Doofus Rufus on that for turning 21 and not going to jail yet. Now, Besides all that, we do have a lot of stuff to cover in all honesty. We got to co- cover who are the best drivers, what did we learn from this race, and also, of course, the final results. So let's get into it. Let's get into the final results at the Daytona Road Course. NASCAR made a big deal about this race. I think all of us were really excited to finally see this race track uh, be put into action here in the top series. We thought it was going to be a wreck fest. We only had four cautions for seven laps. There were 13 lead changes among six drivers, but in the end, it was driver number nine, Chase Elliott, leading 34 laps out of the scheduled 65 laps in this race. He is your winner of the inaugural race at the Gold Bowling 235. Congratulations to him and Rick Henrik Motorsports. Finishing second was the number 11 at Denny Hamlin, who won stage two. Finishing third, we have the number 19 of Martin Truex Jr. Junior. Finishing fourth is the number 48 of Jimmy Johnson. In fifth place, a great finish for the number 17 of Chris Busher. Finishing sixth, we have the number 14 of Clint Boyer. Finishing seventh in his Sprint Cup debut is the number three of Kaz Grala, finishing it out as he was substituting for Austin Dillon. Good job on him. Finishing eighth is the number 24 of William Byron. Finishing ninth with a second place finish in stage one was the number 22 of Joey Logano. And rounding up the top 10 for Front Row Motorsports was the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Finishing 11th, we have the number 20 of Eric Jones. Finishing 12th is the number 88 of Alex Bowman. Finishing 13th, we have the number 2 of Brad Keselowski. Finishing 14th is the number 1 of Kurt Busch. Finishing 15th is the number 21 of Matt Benedetto. Finishing 16th, we have the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Finishing 17th was the number 4 of Kevin Harvick, who started on the pole but just had a lot of problems throughout the race. Finishing 18th is the top-running rookie, the number 8 of Tyler Reddick. Finishing 19th is the number 6 of Ryan Newman. And rounding out the top 20 was the number 13 of Ty Dillon. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20. Christopher Bell in the number 95 finished 21st. Uh, Ryan Priest in the number 37 got stuck 
stage points in both one and two, but could not finish the deal, finishing 23rd. Bubba Wallace was running really good near the end. However, he spun out in the final corners, finishing 25th. We also had Daniel Suarez, the highest finishing open charter car, the number 96 machine, finishing 27th. And then Kyle Busch, driver of the number 88, wrecks out of the race, also suffering some mechanical problems, which took him out of the race early. And then he went back on and then he wrecked and finished the car. And then Ryan Blaney, driver of the number 12 machine, just had some bad luck, finished third in stage two, but he finishes 31st overall. And one last driver I wanted to cover on, the number 27 at JJ Yelly. He did not finish the race. Bailey Curry did, but due to the the immense heat and also the lack of cool box in his number 27 car he was not able to finish the race but he will still be credited with the 34th spot and that is your final results here for the daytona international road course now to get into this race because there's a lot of things to talk about first time they ever race here i want to bring up some interesting ups and some downs from this event the first up has to be without a doubt rick henrick has road courses and short tracks figured out they've obviously got this package figured out as far as Watkins Glen, the Charlotte Roval, Bristol. They've been really good at all these tracks, and most notably, Chase Elliott has been very, very good here. And also, Charlotte, you can also throw that in there with Chase Elliott, Jimmy Johnson, and William Byron all doing really good. So, um, Rick Henrick may not be the most dominant team in the world right now. However, with these other tracks right here, if they're able to get victories here, they still get to make it into the playoffs. They can still at least make it to the final event because, remember, you got... Bristol in round one, the Charlotte Roval in round two, and then Martinsville in round three. That's a perfect opportunity for, say, a driver like Chase Elliott, who dominates at these short tracks and road courses, to make it all the way into the finals where he does really good at Phoenix. So Rick Henrik has a great uh, strategy for that stuff. However, mile and a half, they still got to work on it because you can tell that they've been a little bit off from Joe Gibbs as well as Stuart Haas Racing. Another up, without a doubt, I got to say Chase Elliott has to be the new Jeff Gordon from the 1990s on road courses. He's just been absolutely dominant. He's won two races in Watkins Glen. He won the race at the Roval. He clearly outran everybody here at Daytona's road course. I mean, he is the best driver. The second one has to be Martin Trex Jr., maybe even Denny Hamlin as third or fourth. And then you got Clint Boyer in there as well. But without a doubt, Chase Elliott is on such a rampage when it comes to road courses. And the last time I saw this much success was honestly back with Jeff Gordon back from 1998 to 2001, right around that area where he just won. I do believe it was like 7 out of 10 races. He did absolutely phenomenal at road courses. And it looks similar with uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott hasn't snuck his way by to collect these wins. He's been one of the most dominant guys when it comes to the road courses. So Chase Elliott definitely found his niche. And that is with the road courses. He's definitely a road course ringer and just an excellent driver all around. But this is where he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Another up from this race shows that the Daytona road course is a viable option for a track that they can return to. I mean, it wasn't really a wreck fest that we're used to at the Charlotte Roval, but this race just proved that you do not need a wreck fest to have a good road course race. There was a lot of strategies. There was a lot of passing. There was mistakes here and there, not too many. It was a really good race. It just shows how well these cup drivers can run at these racetracks where they've never practiced at. And that leads me on to my uh, next thing is that that 
NASCAR Cup Series drivers don't really need that practice. As you can see, they've done really well without it. I thought this race was going they were going to have spin-outs left and right because, you know, all they had was the simulator, but they just went out there hardly any problems at all. The only drivers that really struggled that kind of shocked me was Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, maybe even Ryan Blaney throw him in there. Those were really the only drivers I saw that were noticeably just struggling without that practice on that racetrack. Everyone else did really really well i i didn't see hardly any mistakes and you know that's that saves a lot of money for drivers it also saves a lot of people's time you can just do the races and then move on to the next track the starting lineups that they've done is like the 50 percent for your finish uh 35 for your points and then 15 percent. it sounded really confusing now i see how they do it and now it actually works really well i think that's a good way to move on to the next one here is your starting lineup you just better be performing all season long and also with your last finish because that's going to be the people who start up front. I, I actually really do like it. I mean, Kevin Harvick clearly was going to start up front after that victory. He was first in points, but that's a good way for them to start. So I don't really think we need to do too much of practice anymore. If you maybe want to do a couple laps, by all means, maybe include that, but we don't need two or three days like we were before the pandemic. And the last up is going back to what I was talking about. Uh, road courses no longer need to be a wreck fest to be entertaining. Now, I know um, that is what road courses are known for. A lot of bumping and banging. We still got that, just nearly not as much as we were hoping. However, it was still a race that I could sit down and watch from beginning to end. It wasn't much of a snooze fest. Yes, there was times when the field spread out a little bit and that the green flag laps lasted a little longer than I wanted. But it just shows that road courses are a really viable option right now. And also, people do not have to destroy their equipment every single time they go there. If you go to Daytona or Talladega, we've seen it every single time. These cars go out there and almost 90% of the field is destroyed or has some type of damage. Here at Road Course, it's a little similar, but not nearly to the point. And to see a race where it was really clean racing, we don't need to see too much uh, people uh, wrecking each other, destroying equipment. I don't mind that. And based on what the fans said, it was like um, 85% of the people liked the race, according to one statistic I saw. And that was about average. If this is the worst that these road courses will get, by all means, add as many road courses as you want because I'm going to watch every single one of them. I think this is a good step for NASCAR because this was a race that we needed to see. If it would be a bit of a snoozer, would we still watch it? And by the looks of it, it looks like we are intrigued with these road courses and we want to keep them on the schedule. So NASCAR, keep that in mind for the 2021 season. I know you had ideas of adding Road America, maybe Circuit of the Americas. Really take those into consideration because road courses may be great in NASCAR's future. Now, I want to focus on some downs. So don't get me wrong. This race wasn't a perfect race. There were quite a few downs. So let's look those over. One down, without a doubt, was NBC when they ended the show right after the checkered flag. I could not believe it. I was hoping for interviews. I was hoping for maybe confrontations in some sense. Literally 30 seconds after the checkered flag went out, which means not everyone was done with their lap, they moved on to the next station. They're like, thank you guys so much for turning into NBC. We had a lot of fun here. Now back to our regular scheduled programming in your area. And then what did I watch? I watched a AAA commercial for three minutes. Three minutes. And I didn't get to see Chase Elliott get an interview. I didn't see any driver get an interview. You guys talked about this race being one of the most historic races in the longest time of NASCAR. And that's how you end it. NBC, come on. You cannot be 
all the way to the lead up and in the middle of the race say how hype how amazing it is for them to race here and then at the end to say bye we're done with this bye so long i'm going screw that dover time it's like are you guys serious like come on that was that was ridiculous and i really needed to vent right there and another down was the lightning strikes now this whole entire weekend they were kind of uh, hinting that hey we could see these nascar drivers on rain tires wouldn't that be great but there's only one little problem and that is without a doubt the lightning strikes every time there's lightning they will shut down the race for 30 minutes now i know i know 100% why they do that. It is for safety reasons. They had someone in Pocono back in 2012 when there was a big rainstorm when the lightning strikes. Someone lost their life and they have to be really careful with lightning because lightning's nothing to mess with. But at the same time, do not keep hinting that we're going to be seeing rain tires when we know damn well that the lightning's going to come in and freeze the race so the track's going to dry up anyway. It's just like, oh guys, we're getting ready to rain. Oh, God farted in the distance. We're going to have to delay it for 30 minutes because you know that smell's going to be brewing. Go back to your haulers. We're going to wait 30 minutes. Oh, you can come back out now. Oh, the track's dry. Well, hopefully you were looking for a dry event because there's no rain in the area now. Thank you, lightning, for avoiding that. It was, it, I don't know. Like, I, I like the idea of seeing NASCAR race in rain tires, the Cup Series most noticeably, but if we're never going to get it because of lightning, I mean, what's the point about hinting at it if we're never going to see it? And then the last thing was the big gaps between the top three in the Xfinity and the Cup Series. Now, make no mistake, we had some good finishes from the top and bottom, and there was also good stage finishes, and even the end of the Cup Series race was really, really close between Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. However, one thing I noticed throughout the entire race was that the top three would pull so far away from the rest of the field that none of them were really a factor. Most of the time, first and second were about 8 to 12 seconds ahead of third place. And even then, um, behind that would be about 20 seconds, 30 seconds. The gap really spread out. And if you want an exciting race, you got to make sure there's a lot of passing going on and a lot of close action. And we did get that um, at certain points, definitely up front, definitely in the middle. But there is a fear there because if someone absolutely figures this track out, it's going to be a snooze fest. So that's the only three downs that I'm going to give for this race. As far as the racing goes, it was really good. That was the only complaint I had was uh, that the field would spread out a lot, especially with the top three. However, if the top three are going to be competing for the lead, I don't care about that at all. I don't care how far back fourth place is. As long as the front is entertaining, so be it. But that's my ups and downs for this race. Overall, it was mostly an up for the weekend. I really enjoyed the racing there. I hope they come back to it. Now, speaking of which, since it was the inaugural race, we had a lot of decisions to come up with. Who was going to be the best options to move on for our fantasy leagues? And looking back, we had some drivers who really did well for us and some drivers who completely let us down. So let's look into it. This is our fantasy live picks and how they did. Alright, so we talked about which drivers to go for on Friday. We had 15 drivers in total. I also talked about some other drivers who were probably not going to do good. And overall, we did fairly well on our picks. There were some that really let us down. Uh, I'm going to go over the ones who let us down the most. Starting off with the top dogs, we have 
Ryan Blaney, who did the absolute worst in there. He finished 14th. He he had a good uh, stage two running where he finished third, but he could not figure out the racetrack. He really struggled and unfortunately only accumulated 14 points in this race. That was a bit of a letdown. I really thought he was going to do well at this racetrack because he really does like road courses. Uh, he just wasn't there today. That doesn't mean to turn away from him for the Charlotte Roval. I still think he can do really good there. But for now, he was definitely a big letdown as far as the top dog goes. In the top 10, we had Kyle Busch really let us down. Uh, Kyle Busch, he's just been struggling. Um, I was hoping that he was not going to do the same thing that he's been showing at Charlotte where he gets into accidents or having mechanical problems. He had both of those happen uh, this weekend. So that was a real big letdown. He finished 37th, only got one point. He led a lap, and he was competitive, but... Uh, he's just so inconsistent right now. He's just like Ryan Blaney or Christopher Bell. Like, he may be up there near the front, but we don't know if he's going to finish up front. And unfortunately, he did not, and that cost us a lot. Hopefully, you guys did not use Kyle Busch. I put him near the end of the top 10, kind of hinting, hey, that may not be the best option out of these guys. But if you absolutely had to, if you had nine picks, I don't blame you for using him, but that was quite a bit of a bummer for him struggling that much. And then as far as Dark Horses go, let's go to the one I just talked about, Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell looked really, really good in this race. Yeah, he did have some damage at the beginning of the race, but he still kept running out front. And then Christopher Bell started acting like Christopher Bell. And what I mean by that is he does good in the first half, and then he cannot seal the deal in the second half. He was running in the top 10 near the end of the race, and he spun out twice, and he finished 21st. That was a real big letdown. I had him on my team, and I thought I did a really good pick on him. But Christopher Bell is so inconsistent right now. I just want the man to have a full seal-the-deal race. And unfortunately, he was not able to do it. So those were the guys who let us down. Here's the guys that really did impress us. I mean, first off, Chase Elliott, 54 points, scored the most points, very dominant. Uh, if you put Chase Elliott in, good job. This is going to be one of his best races of the year. Martin Trex Jr., eh, he did all right. I wish he got more stage points, but he still finished third, 37 points. I'd say that's pretty good for the number 19 machine. Clint Boyer, I said he would be a safe pick, and without a doubt, he was a safe one. He was running near the front. He finished sixth, which was probably around the worst he was running, but overall, really good day. He needed that to get away from the playoff bubble. Then we had Denny Hamlin do really good, finish second, 45 stage points, really good for him. Jimmy Johnson needed a good run, and he absolutely did it. He finished third in stage one, got 41 points as he finished fourth. Didn't really make too much progress on the bubble, but he did exactly what he needed to do. If he carries this consistency going into Daytona, he might make his way in. And then as far as dark horses go... William Byron was the best guy. William Byron, um, I thought he was going to do really good because I've seen how well the Henrik uh, camp has been working. And he uh, led a couple laps at the Roval. He didn't lead any laps here, but he got stage points. He got 40 points, which is exactly what he needed to stay in. Both him and Jimmy Johnson made up ground on Matty Bandetto. That's exactly what they need to do. Carry on that success to Dover. Matty Bandetto likes Dover, but we shall see in those races. And of course, Daytona, it's a crapshoot. But those guys did the best that they could do. Uh, second second best, uh, the best would have been to win. But, I mean, when you're competing against Chase Elliott at road courses, that's how it goes. 
And here's how the rest of our picks goes. Uh, Michael McDowell was one guy I really wanted to point out on. I said he would be far-fetched to go with, but I had a good feeling, and he did really good. 27 points. Not the most points in the world, but if you were trying to save up some of your guys and you went with Michael McDowell, I'm pretty sure you're pretty happy with that. So good job for him to be able to run that well. Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, kind of dark horses. They've been really struggling as far as road courses go, especially with Kurt Busch ever since he went to the number one car. I said that they could possibly have a chance. They both scored 25 points points. Alex Bowman, I said he was either going to finish in the top five or finish 14th. He finished 12th with 25 points, so that's about around what he usually gets. Matt Bandetto really struggled. He really let me down. I could have swore he was going to finish fourth or something like that. Never did it, so that was a bit of a bummer. And then Brad Keselowski kind of struggled all day. The same with Kevin Harvick. So basically, uh, to put it in the simplest terms, uh, one-third of our drivers did extremely well, one-third of them did eh, a little below average, and then the other third did abysmal. So <laughs> um, that's basic, That's how it went. Now, for the drivers that I said, probably you don't want to touch. They would be too much of a gamble. Most of them actually did really good. Joey Logano, 37 points. He proved that, hey, he can do really well at road courses besides the Charlotte Roval. I'd say keep an eye on him as a Charlotte Roval as a top 10 guy because he's finished in the top 10 twice, and he's also done another top 10 here at Daytona. Eric Jones in the number 20, I keep forgetting about him. He's kind of like almost like the Casey Atwood uh, right now because um, he's about to lose his ride, and I just keep forgetting about him. He's just going to be a faint memory. I hope not, but it almost kind of feels like that. He got in 11th place, which was good, a little less than Jimmy Johnson and William Byron, so he lost a little bit of ground there. He finishes 11th with 31 points. Not too bad, but not where he needed to be. Eric Amarola really struggled in that number 10 car. He hasn't really been good at road courses, so I figured he'd finish right around here. 13 points. Hopefully, you did not go with him. And then the number 17 of Chris Buescher absolutely surprised the heck out of me. I thought he was going to do a little worse than Michael McDowell. He did better, and he got a top five with 32 points. That was definitely a step in the right direction for the 17 team and Roush Racing, so good job for them. And then Tyler Reddick, um, like I said, he was good in Xfinity. However, I would have went with Christopher Bell. Honestly, none of the rookies really did that well. Tyler Reddick did the best finishing 18th with 19 points. Hopefully you did not use him, so a little bit of a bummer on that one. And then some noticeable drivers I never talked about. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. scored 27 points. Good for him in that number 47 machine. And of course, Kaz Grawl again, the 7th place finish. I don't know if he was on the list for Fantasy Live, but if you did pick him up and put him in there, first off, you are a madman. I would have never done that, but if you did, good job. You're smarter than me. And second, Good job for Kaz Grala. Maybe he has an option with Richard Childress to run in the third car. Maybe run road courses next year. I don't know. Could be an idea. We shall see. But overall, really good. Now, since we're going towards the end of the year, I want to make some predictions right now. I feel like it's time to be a little risky and start doing some predictions based on what we've seen so far here in the 2020 season. And one prediction that I'm going to make is if Matt Benedetto misses the playoffs. He's going to lose his ride at Wood Brothers and will put Austin Sindrick in for that number 21 machine. Matt Benedetto is now on the verge of falling out and Austin Sindrick is doing really, really well. With road courses now being added onto the schedule, he might be a viable option for the 21 team because if he could get victories there, he can move the team in, kind of almost be a Marcos Ambrose of the team. Either way, if he can get victories, he's locked into the playoffs. Might be a viable option. He's doing really good. But Matty Benedetto better step it up because otherwise he may lose that ride in that number 21 machine. 
Another prediction is Eric Amarola is no longer a viable option for the rest of August. I don't see him doing well at Dover. I don't see him doing well at Daytona. I think it's pretty good to slay Eric Amarola to the side. He's done really well for you over the summer, but right now in this month, it's time to let him off to the side and let him rebuild. Another prediction I'm going to make is Denny Hamlin is now a stronger pick than Harvick is in August. He's better at Daytona. He's better at Dover. He did really well here on the road course. Yes, Kevin Harvick did really good at Michigan, but I think his results here in the next three races, he's going to edge out Kevin Harvick and he's going to look like a better option. And I think he's also going to pass him as far as playoff points. It's going to be really hard to. I'm betting that he's going to win the race at Daytona. Not too much Dover, but I still think he'll do really good there. Denny Hamlin, by the end of the regular season, will be first heading into the playoffs. Another prediction. This one's very bold, but I'm going to go with it. Kyle Busch will remain winless for the rest of the season. I just don't see him winning at this point. I really don't. And the reason why is because look at last year when he was really dominant. He only won the race at Homestead. And right now I'm looking at the races in the chase. I don't see any of those races where it screams Kyle Busch is going to win. And this season, Kyle Busch hasn't really been the guy. I mean, yes, he's getting top tens, but he's not getting those first and second places that we're used to seeing. I don't think he's going to get a win this year. That's my bet. I, I really don't think we'll see the number 18 car in victory lane. And then my last prediction is the only rookie that's going to make the chase is going to be Cole Custer. And only five rookie of the year drivers will make it into the chase. That being Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick. I don't see William Byron making it in or Eric Jones at this time. I feel like Jimmy Johnson, out of those four drivers, let's include Tyler Reddick, looks like the best option right now. Now, William Byron has been running really good, but there is a chance that he's going to fall off, especially at Dover. And then Daytona, he's been struggling, has been running really well, but can't seal the deal. Jimmy Johnson, all he has to do is be the Jimmy Johnson that we know at Dover. He can make his way in. I don't see William Byron really edging out Matt Bandetto because Matt Bandetto could turn it around at Dover. And he's really now racing for his job at that number 21 machine. I just feel like the only five that are going to make it in are going to be Elliott, Logano, Hamlin, Bush, and Harvick. And the only one that's not locked in is Kyle Bush. But he's 90 points ahead. All he has to do is finish top 10 in one of those races, and he's good. So those are my predictions for the rest of the season. I'm going to bring this up uh, once again maybe in a couple of weeks because I think it's time to start making some far-fetched guesses because we're near the end of the season. You've got to take some risks with some things. I'd say it's time to start including this. Now, last segment, we got to bring it on. It's one of my favorite ones. It's one of the Observer's favorites. It's time to see that who was the best for this weekend at making picks. All right, just came to the bathroom to relieve some pressure because I knew my cheeks were going to be clenched the whole time to see who was going to be victorious out of us three observers. So let's look into it. Now, everyone remembers my picks. I went with Chase Elliott, Clint Boyer, William Byron, Matt Bandetto, Brad Keselowski, and Christopher Bell. Three of those guys did phenomenal for me. The other three honestly let me down. But the question is, did Mechanical Manny or Crazy Corrado have better picks than me? Mechanical Manny's picks were... Jimmy Johnson, Martin Trex Jr., Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, and Chris Buescher. And also, he went with Chase Elliott. A little close to mine, and those points were pretty similar. And then for Crazy Corrado, he went with the same with me when it came to Chase Elliott and Brad Keselowski. 
but he decided to go with Martin Trex Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Blaney, and Kyle Busch. Unfortunately for Crazy Corrado, due to having Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney, he finishes third on this list with a score of 170 points. Now, for Crazy Corrado, if you're listening, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that because you still scored 170 points. That's way better than most of my scores have been the last couple of weeks. You are still third, though, so that's another bronze medal for you. Better luck at Dover, buddy. <laughs> now, it is between the one and only Mechanical Manny and Vanilla Wafers. Who even knows who Mechanical Manny is at this point? Will he ever be on the show? Or will he always be a figure in the background, just making picks and just rubbing it in my face every time he wins? Will he rub it in my face for three weeks in a row? Let's find out. The score was close. It was between six points. And the winner of this weekend is Vanilla Wafers with a score of 193 over Mechanical Manny's 187. I am back on top, bitches! Woohoo! That's a celebration! You know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my acceptance speech right away. Here we go. Wow. Wow, I can't believe it. You know, I've been trying for so many weeks to be here on top, and it's been a struggle. It's been a lot of times where I just want to quit and give up. And for all those people out there doing Fantasy Live, let me just let you know that it is not over till it's over. Because I'm standing right here in victory. Claiming my victory here at Daytona's inaugural road course race. Ugh, it just shows that you, you can, can always be great and majestic as me. And I've shown that with my seventh victory here in Fantasy Live over the observers. Thank you. And Mechanical Manny and Crazy Corrado, you both can suck eggs. There we go. There's my acceptance speech right there. <laughs> But good job by all the observers. We're starting to get really, really good at this. Now we got another double header coming in. Mechanical Manny dominated the last one. So let's see who's going to be the one on top this time as we go into next week for the double header at Dover. And that will conclude the last segment of today's episode. Hopefully you guys did really good in your fantasy live picks this weekend because it was kind of really tough. We didn't really have too many pass races to rely on in all honesty. And also, hopefully you guys really did enjoy the Daytona Road Course because I really did. And hopefully you guys did as well. And then we got to look forward to the last doubleheader of the season. It's going to be the third one. It's going to be the Dover doubleheader. So that's going to be on both Saturday and Sunday. You don't want to miss it. We will obviously go over our fantasy picks on either Thursday or Friday. I may shoot for Thursday just for the simple fact that the races are going to be running a little bit earlier than usual. But above all, thank you guys so much for listening to the rest and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time. So I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast.